Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, where we're going to be tonight. And then 1 Timothy 3, if you want to have that ready to go, we'll be going there as well. But tonight is election of officers. And as we look to that election of officers, this being our first one, I wanted to uh, preach to you tonight. Why do we need them? Why do we need the deacons? Why do we need the trustees? And uh, we look in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to find <clears throat> a situation that came up in the church where certain elements of the church was neglected. And uh, we look here in Acts chapter 6 and, and see that the, the Holy Spirit led them uh, to look for a group of men that could carry those out and help meet all the needs of the church so the church could move on for the furtherance of the gospel and continue to grow and thrive as, as God intended it to have. But as we look at the duties of the deacon in particular, uh, I believe there's something that would be is good for every trustee, every church officer, every member uh, to try to live by and follow to be a, to help benefit the church and to be able to reach others and be a light in the world that we live in. And as we look at these duties in Acts chapter 6 and 1 Timothy 3, the duties of a biblical deacon have not changed for over 2,000 years. And uh, as, we, as, we look at, as we look at that, I uh, hope it will be an encouragement to us and a reminder of what's expected of us in service of the Lord. So Acts chapter 6 here and begin reading in verse 1. It says, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. The church was benefited by it, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. What to look for in a church officer. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, the privilege that it is to be in church together tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our time in the word. I pray that we'll be helped by what we look at here in the lives of these men and, and why they were chosen. And God, I pray that you'd help us, God, to just press on as a church, Lord, over this next a couple years, Lord, for your honor and glory and the furtherance of the gospel. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Certain jobs require certain qualifications, don't they? If somebody is wanting to be a sales manager, it would be probably good of that person to have somewhat, uh, at least a little bit, experience in sales, wouldn't you think? In order for them to succeed in that, they'd have to understand how all that works and how to reach people, how to negotiate, how, how the numbers work, what happens in the back office. All those things are needed, and those qualifications are expected of someone in that position. If, if someone was asked to be a basketball coach, it would probably, probably be good for that person to have some experience in, in coaching basketball or have played the game at some point in their life where they understood the ins and outs and the plays and all the things needed to be able to win and to train people to win. A bank manager... A certain qualification of a bank manager might be somebody without a, a crime history, right? 
no felonies on their record, no uh, previous jail time. That's a qualification that we would expect of someone to have that sort of position. As, as, we, as we look into the Word of God tonight, uh, we understand you, you voted a year ago for, for me to come in as your pastor. There were certain things that were asked of me, and for two hours I was drilled there in that, in that room there and, and, uh, because the Bible has certain qualifications for a pastor. As we look in the Word of God tonight, we find that in, in particular deacons, there were certain qualifications expected of them. And, and as we look in our church constitution, there is qualifications expected of the trustees and other elected officers as well. And as we look here, there's some things that can be a help, not just to those that are looking to be elected or those that may want to be in a position in the future, but to every church member to be a model church member. What is expected of me and what to look for? And, and want for someone to take one of those positions. The first one tonight, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to blow your mind. The first qualification would be that person is a Christian. The person is a Christian. They must be saved. Uh, it, it isn't specified in the text that we just read, but it's certainly implied in the Bible. In every uh, part of the Word of God we find pertaining to a deacon, it's someone that has a relationship with Christ. So as you look at our church, at Southwest Baptist Church, what we expect of any church officer is that they must be saved first and foremost. As we look here in the Word of God, what was the church commanded to look for? Look out among you, part of the church. And in order to be part of the church, they needed to be saved and baptized. And, and we look here, the first qualification is for someone to have a personal relationship with Christ. And many churches in the world that we live in, because of the politics and the way the church is run, have people in certain positions that many of them aren't saved. Many of them have no relationship with the Lord, and we look at those churches and, and see what direction uh, they had or the detriment that that, that is to them. And, and at Southwest Baptist Church, what we need is, is men and women of God operating by the Spirit of God, and without being saved, you cannot do that, can you? So we must be saved. And second thing, I just mentioned it must be living by His Spirit. He says, look out from among you, find men full of the Holy Ghost. That word full means to be uh, thoroughly permeated, full, complete, lacking nothing. That is intending that someone to have one of those positions is someone that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we look here for a deacon that was indispensable, that was important, that was necessary to be able to carry out the task of a biblical deacon. And as we look at the trustee tonight, the same thing, it's, it's necessary for the leadership of the church, those in positions to be controlled by the Holy Spirit under, under the command. What does the Bible tell us in the book of Ephesians chapter 5? And be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It should be controlling you to, to a certain amount to where it is obvious to those around. You are not acting on your own and, and fulfilling your own impulses, your desires. But you are led by the Spirit of God. Why is that so important? If you are going to be a blessing to this church, if, if any member of Southwest Baptist Church is going to be a blessing to this church and not a burden, we need to be walking in the Spirit. We need to make sure the, fruit, the fruits of the Spirit are evident in our life and are, are showing forth. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a good reminder for us tonight, if we're struggling with giving into the flesh or walking in the flesh, you know what is not happening. You're not walking in the Spirit. 
one or the other. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Here's the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Now we would expect a, a large amount of those things would, would not be part of any church member, right? But some of those things creep in. And in the leadership of this church, for us to be effective for God and be able to reach other people and to have a positive impact of exhorting one another, encouraging one another, we need to make sure that these works of the flesh have no part of our life. Then he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So if you're looking for people full of the Spirit, those people full of the Spirit that you're looking for in those positions are going to be people that exercise biblical love, biblical joy, biblical peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. In order for the church to move forward in unity, those things must be part of the leadership of the church. And that doesn't just go for the leaders, that goes for all members. I want to tell you something today. If you walk in the Spirit, you will be a blessing to this church. If you, act, if you are governed by the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit of God, you will be a blessing to this church. If you walk in the flesh, you will hinder things that God wants to do. So determine to be a Spirit-filled Christian. So we look here, the first thing, they must be a Christian. Second thing, a servant. A servant. Go ahead and look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. We just read in Acts chapter 6, there were certain things that if the leadership of the church, those disciples, the pastors were to do, they would not be able to do the other duties that only they could do. And so they looked for people that were able to help serve. And from the beginning, church officers, as we look in the book of Acts and as we look at 1 Timothy, deacons, they were chosen to be servants to the church. That word deacon actually comes from a word that means to wait tables. Maybe that's why the Bible says that the deacons are to use the office, not fill the office. We look there in Acts, it says to use the office. So as a servant, the first person, the first one there to be a servant to is a servant to God. Look at, when we take the time to look here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it's easy to see that deacons are expected to live godly separated lives. And not just the deacons, every officer of the church, every part of leadership of the church should have, should have these qualifications that we read here. You're to be an obedient, surrendered servant to God the Father. So let's look here at these requirements. Verse, verse 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. There's qualifications there. Verse 8 says grave. That is someone that is serious about their duty. 
in someone that is in an elected position at this church, a deacon, a trustee, the secretary, the treasurer, must be serious about the duty, the, the, the needs that are expected of that position. But not just someone that is serious about it, it's someone that can be respected. Someone who lives a life worth imitating. A, a model church member is what we are looking for in this description of being great. The next one, not double-tongued. There's, there's a threefold definition to this. That would be, first of all, not a gossip. That's someone handling things the right way. Someone not, not speaking, speaking of certain things, not dragging anybody down, not a gossip. Second thing, does not say one thing to one person and something else to another. What does that do? That divides the church. Someone whose word is dependable. Someone that exercises character in, in how they speak. The next one, not greedy of filthy lucre. That's someone who has a spiritual attitude toward money and will not use the office for financial gain. The Bible tells us, lay it up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And that next verse says, for where your treasure is, there will your what? Heart be also. Verse 9 speaks of the, another need holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. That's people who are grounded in the doctrines of the faith. And those that are holding these positions or we're looking to elect these positions agree with the church, the church uh, covenant and, and what we speak of, the doctrines that we hold to. That is someone that is more concerned with what the Bible says than they are with what other churches are doing or traditions. The number one goal is holding to the doctrines of the word of God. Verse 10 says, let them be proved. Be proved. They're examined to those qualifications and seen to be fulfilling those things. In verse 10 again, it says, let them use the office. Use the office. There's too many deacons and trustees and people with positions in churches that just fill a certain office. They have the title, they have the, they have the description, but they don't use it for the furtherance of the ministry. They don't use it to help the church. And God tells us in, in, in Scripture that we are to use it, actively being used, act, actively being acted out for the glory of God. And as we looked in verse 11, what did it say? It also brought up the wives. Wives must be qualified too. Wives need to be model church members. If, if a husband and wife are, are in a certain position and they're not on the same page, and it can bring not only division to the family, but division to the church. Someone in verse 12, in control of the home, not a dictator, but one who has earned the love and respect of the family, rules their house well. So the officer is to serve God, meet those qualifications for the glory of God. Second thing, not only serve God, but then to serve the church. As we get back to Acts, go ahead and turn back there. The deacon is to be a servant of the pastor and the people. And tr the trustee, the very same thing. As a, as a pastor, you, you wonder how exactly how to deliver these, these certain things here. I'm going to deliver to you what the Bible says, okay? The pastor needs the deacons of the church to aid him in ministry to the church. Because one man cannot do it all. And he should not be expected to do it all. 
And the officers of the church are to be active in the ministry, faithful to attend, faithful to be part of, of what we are trying to accomplish here, the goal of the church, to, as we mentioned this morning, to reach others, disciple them, so they can go out and disciple others and glorify God as we do it. So as we look in the word of God and description of what the deacons are to do, they should visit the sick, they should care for those that are hurting. Uh, if any problems are starting to arise in the church, they should be some of the first people to be there as leadership in the church to help uh, mellow some things down, take it down a level so then we can address it properly and, and, and keep it from bringing division or letting the devil get victory in the church. To be a servant. You know, as, a, as a deacon is, is expected to serve the pastor, there also is a balance here, isn't there? We've seen it both ways. We've seen churches where the pastor is a dictator and everybody does what he does. And then we've seen churches as well where deacons run the church. And neither one of those things are healthy. And the pastor and deacon relationships, the deacons are not the pastor's private slaves. They are to be partners in ministry. The primary leadership role of the church that God has given is to the office of the pastor. And I, be and I believe the people that we are looking to respect that. But the deacons were not created to run the church. They're created to serve the pastor and the people so the, so the gospel can be furthered and people can be helped and encouraged as part of the church. I just want to ask those that are being elected to positions, be a friend to me. I'd love for you to be a friend to me. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I, I was reading some, uh, a little bit this week. A man wrote, it's actually a deacon, he said the relationship of a deacon to his pastor might be likened to that of a soldier to his commanding officer. Many soldiers develop great respect and even affection for those that lead them well. The deacon should sense and meet the needs of the leader that God has given them and try to work together in unity to accomplish the goals of the church. But you're not just here to assist me as a church officer. You're here to also assist the church. The people in the pews need the deacons and trustees and other officers as well. So I encourage those that are being voted on tonight, take the time to serve the church. Be there for the members of the church when, when they need help, and we're looking to uh, incorporate a few things that will help us do that, and, and I'll, I'll speak of some of those things that at another time. We're going to divide up the membership of the church a little bit where our deacons can help me oversee and make sure people are tended to when there's, when there's people in the hospital, people struggling with certain things. We're going to use this biblical office to accomplish these things as God intended us to do it. Look after the welfare and do everything in your power to maintain peace and harmony, uh, not just with me, but with the church. And fight to say nothing to bring division. And when the Bible says there in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, over this business, it refers above anything else the business of ministering to people. As we look here, the, the great need that was there was there were certain people that were feeling left out, certain people that weren't being helped, certain people that were falling to the wayside. And he says we need them to take care of that business, ministering to people, helping people. And we've expanded in the modern church the office of the deacon, and, and we have the trustees that, that help run, keep the church running properly, financially, all those things. And we need that. We need the accountability. But we need to remember above that, the number one priority for anyone elected to position of this church is to minister and, and contribute to the furtherance of the gospel and the encouragement and exhortation of all that attend. 
The ministry needs to come first. And then the last thing, not just serve God, the pastor and God and, and other members, but the third thing, serve the disconnected. And we look here in, in verse 7. It says, the word of God, so after, after this happened, the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Once the deacons were in that position, once the church officers were in that position, the number of the disciples increased daily. The deacon has a duty to the backslider and to the lost. The deacon, the deacon and other officers have duties to be bold witnesses. I want you to think about this with me. As we look before Acts chapter 6, do we, do we see the church accomplishing great things? Yes, right? We see awesome things happening before chapter 6. The church was, was on fire. People were being saved. People were being added to the church. The church was doing what God wanted it to be doing, accomplishing what he wanted it to accomplish. There was a little bit missing. They added the office of the deacon. What happened? They took off even more. They reached people. People were, were, were helped. People were discipled. The number of the, multi, the disciples multiplied daily. And as in the offices of the church, we need faithful people working hard to further the gospel to, to support the, the work of the church and the vision of the church, who work hard to reclaim the, the backslider and to bring in those that are lost just as much as we do to try to tend to our relationships in here. We need to be servants. Then the last thing, not just a servant, but a soldier. We need to fight for certain things. You know, the first thing that must be, we need to be fighting for is the scriptures. You read there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding to the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. We've already touched on this, but deacons and, and trustees need to be active in the ministry of the word of God. And we need to guard the doctrinal unity of the church. If there's, if there's ever a time where I am moving contrary from what the Bible says and and the doctrines of the word of God, we need, we need men and women of this church to, to stand for those things. But no man, no, no man's opinion above the word of God. And I encourage you to guard that alongside with me. And if people ever come in trying to oppose that or the government may say something, we need to hold to the word of God and fight for it. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And we need to fight for the doctors of the faith and teach it to other people. We need to fight for the church. We looked there in verse 7, the deacons, the deacons came in and, and great things happened to the church. They were ministering to the people that were being put to the wayside and the, and the number of the disciples was multiplied. It was growing. Why? Because they were fighting for every member of the church. They were tending to the people in need. They were encouraging those that were, come, were moving to the wayside. They had a part in, in bringing everybody back together. You know, the deacon and, and church officer has a responsibility to do everything in his power to help the church grow and to become all that God wants it to be. Let's go ahead and look uh, in Acts chapter 20. We're almost done here. Acts chapter 20. In 
why do we need to be ready to fight for the scriptures and fight for the church? Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves, in, wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Why should we fight for it? Because Jesus died for it. He died for it. And we need to continue to stand on the truths of God's word and protect uh, the doctrines that we hold to and to be ready to oppose anyone that is trying to move away from it in a spirit of love. <laughs> we need a lot of watchdogs here. We need people that can sniff out problems and sniff out division in the church and that could harm the pastor or the church, take a stand against those wolves and those they may be trying to bring with them, okay? And the last one, fight for the unsaved. Fight for the unsaved. We look in verse 8 of Acts chapter 6, and Stephen, a deacon there, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Look at chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip, another deacon, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and were lame and were healed. Preach the gospel. We look at Stephen, the the preaching deacon, he became the first martyr of the Christian era. He preached with a boldness, and he was a, a bold witness to a point where people attacked him. They wanted him dead. Paul was there holding his coat as he died. Philip carried on the tradition. He was instrumental in a great revival that came in Samaria. If we were to continue reading in chapter 8, we would see that going into verse 40. I would encourage you to read that at another time. But he wasn't too busy in that great revival to minister to the one person as well. What do we also know about Philip? He was on a journey and came across a, a eunuch. May we talked about it this morning in Sunday school. He said, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And he told him, you need to put your faith in Christ. They set a standard that needs to be upheld by the leadership of our church and by every, by every member as well. We need, we need leadership of this church to have a passion for souls. And we need to let that passion for souls drive us to, to continue to preach the gospel, to continue to do what we can to, 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 to further our, our work and missions, all those things. Be a bold witness of the greatest story ever told. I'm thankful that God brought us here to this church. I'm thankful for every one of you tonight. The work that we have to do is great. It's worth it. I've given my life to it. But the standard is high. There's a great need. The rewards as we fulfill those needs are amazing. And every church member, and in particular tonight, every officer we are looking to elect is needed as much today as these men were 2,000 years ago. We need deacons and trustees and 
secretary, treasurer that are serious about carrying out their office and being a servant of the church. We don't need people who think they are God's gift to the church and who may set themselves up on a, on a pedestal. We need people that are ready to serve God and the church. Be a good officer. Be a friend to your pastor. Be a servant to the people. And if we do those things, God will bless our work here in Midland. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment.